You're listening to SaaS Acquisition Stories, a podcast featuring the stories from both startup founders and buyers who have successfully gone through an acquisition process using Microacquire, the number one startup acquisition marketplace in the world. To date, Microacquire has helped hundreds of startups get acquired and has facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. Here's your host, Andrew Gazdecki. All right, I'm here with Michael Miglis. How you doing, Michael? Hi, Andrew. Good. How are you? Good. Um, just wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast. Definitely excited to to hear about your story getting uh, microcard recently. But for those that may not know you, do you want to give uh, just a quick intro on yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Michael. Um, I'm from Greece originally. I spent a lot of my time in London. So my background has been in data engineering. I used to build big data solutions for companies like P&G and GM, uh, but I always had this uh, passion for entrepreneurship. Um, I started a company around five years ago um, in the fashion tech space. So it was a enterprise SaaS, which is still going on. Um, and um, I've been always passionate about startups. And in the middle of my journey, I thought, um, you know, I found this amazing platform, Macroacquire, and I thought it would be a good challenge to build and sell something there. And uh, yeah, I'm, here I am. <laughs> nice. So for everyone listening, I Michael was telling me the, so I don't know a company Mike, Michael had acquired. So I told him, don't tell me, let's get this live on the podcast. <laughs> so Michael, what was the company that um, you had Michael acquired? What did it do? What problem did it solve? All that fun stuff. Yeah. And um, the funny story is when I, when I decided to uh, build something for Micro acquired, I had no idea what it was going to be. So it was like, I'm going to spend some time finding a, a nice problem, solve it, uh, build something, and then in the end, sold it. And uh, uh, the app was basically a Shopify app, um, and it was solving the problem of uh, merchants or Shopify store owners installing uh, Google Analytics onto their um, shop, which could be a bit complicated if you're not technical. Um, so it would just make the process very simple, just one copy-paste, and you set it and forget it. So it was a pixel um, pixel installer for Google Analytics on Shopify stores. Nice. I like that. Just nice, simple, clear-to-understand problem. You'd be surprised at how many startups we see in MicroQuire where we look at them, and they're really good, but we're like, what do you do? What? <laughs> uh, so when you, when you see the newsletter, actually, that's usually us kind of doing them some help in terms of exploring clearly explain that I can clearly understand the problem that you were solving there. Um, I guess my next question would be, so, you know, you, you decide to sell, what made you um, want to sell in the first place? Um, so initially um, I think it was the whole idea that I wanted to build something, grow it in a certain state and sell it. Um, so it was a journey from the beginning to the end. So selling was part of the um, uh, completion of the journey. Uh, it was uh it was at a point that um, I had a lot of going on in my life with my current startup um, that's uh, Enterprise as a big company right now. Um, so it was getting really busy. Uh, the app came in the lockdown uh, kind of period that everyone had some free time. Uh, I picked up baking for a while, then uh, <laughs> then I tried nice. to build a microsas. And um, yeah, at some point, Shopify was... Um, was doing some changes on the, on the on the authentication and I had to spend like a couple of days working on the app. And at some point I was like, okay, I, I need to sell this um, and move on uh, and focus on my current startup. Nice. That makes total sense. Well, congrats on um, 
the the larger startup as well and then it's always fun to you know have a side project or just build something i i can relate to that more than you know um (laughs) but for those listening focus on one startup (laughs) um anyways uh so you you decide to list on microquire um i'm assuming um multiple buyers reach out um do you want to walk me through how that process went and how you finally landed on you know the buyer that ended up acquiring your shopify app yeah um so after i got some some traction as i said it was the the plan to sell uh obviously uh one of the problems was it was a new app so it didn't have like a lot of history um it wasn't running for 12 months um, i believe I, I listed it after three months so uh, a lot of the buyers uh, wasn't meeting their criteria uh at first uh obviously I had kind of uh overestimated the value of the of the app uh being a new app with uh low record no, low traction um i kind of uh, set it at a high price point um then i just um, uh, actually i read the report of uh, the uh, the evaluations of shopify apps i believe it was 2.7 x the arr um uh, at the end i sold for three something and when i lowered the price i got more qualified buyers um and the whole process was uh, super super simple to be honest um so uh the buyers would just ask for a few financials some screenshots and then we would see if they it would meet their um kind of like investment thesis or uh acquisition thesis um and yeah just uh at the end we had one two calls with the actual buyer and a last call where i handed everything over and it was really nice well congrats um i guess my next question would be in terms of from the time you listed on microquire to actually finding the buyer how long did that process take i think that the process took around uh three months um but i think that was only because at first i had said like a high price and it was just three month old app um but once it got um, some traction it was uh, the six month period i got more qualified buyers uh, and i ended up selling nice yeah i would say that's probably the number one reason we see startups not sell on microquire is when they just price way too high mm-hmm. and by doing that what you do is you uh you know as buyers are going through microquire they quickly will skip over it and you'll lose that initial interest um, yeah. So reading the multiples report, I'm glad you did that. Um, if you're in line with those valuations, your buyer interest is based on our data. It's like two to three, four times higher, if not more. So um, good job on that. And then I guess um, uh, my next question would be, how did you transfer all the assets over? I know Shopify is a little bit easier in terms of just kind of, did you just kind of hand over the keys? Did you have a Zoom call? Did you have like a list of all the items that you were going to transfer? How did how, how did that part work? Yeah, I think um, because I had, uh, when I went into this kind of like uh, journey or challenge, um, I had in mind that I'm going to sell it at some point. So from the beginning, I had structured the entire infrastructure like that. So I had like separate AWS account, a separate Shopify account, a separate uh, hosting, uh, web hosting. So everything had a separate account. So I would just hand over the accounts to the person that uh, actually acquired them. Um, and I think that saved me a lot of hustle and time because usually all my projects are under one umbrella <laughs> and it's it's a mess. Um, but that really helped. Um, so the whole process was easy. We jumped jumped on a Zoom call. Um, he sent over some terms that I think he he was the first buyer as well. So he found the terms on uh, Macro Acquire. Uh, we went through escrow. So 
it was kind of just uh, a journey that we were discovering the process, uh, both of us. Uh, so it was really smooth, actually. Very nice. Yeah, I would say that's probably another, um, maybe not a mistake, but just something to think about if you're looking to eventually sell your business is I can't even tell you how many times I've talked to founders who maybe have, you know, one AWS account with multiple different projects or startups in it. Then you have to pull it out and do all this extra work. And just being able to kind of hand over the keys is so much easier for both you and both the buyer too. Also in terms of just building confidence, like, because when you move something, you got to make sure it works and it's new environment, et cetera, all that fun stuff. Um, so good job on that. Um, and good job on using escrow too. Um, I, I can't recommend people that acquire stuff without using escrow service. I think you're are crazy so luckily yeah it, it's just a, an unnecessary risk luckily we don't see that too often but um you know some people can be fast and loose um i i guess now i'm wondering um you know are you able to maybe talk about i guess you know with founders you know looking to sell their business based on you going through the process successfully um is there any like tips you would give new founders looking to sell their business like as a because I really like how you came in prepared, your accounts were separated, um, you had a realistic valuation, maybe I'm giving all the tips away. Um, but, but if you had, um, you know, any tips to share in terms of how to maximize your chances of being acquired? Um, what would those be? I probably just gave uh, you like five. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you, 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 you did a good intro there. Um, I believe also, um, how you handle potential buyers um, is really important. Like being honest, being upfront, having everything ready, um, you know, respond on time. I think all these kind of uh, things help potential buyers see that, you know, um, you will be honest through the process. You will be there to support if needed. So um, we build a good rapport with the um, with, uh, interested buyer. And I think that's helped the process a lot because, you know, there's so many apps right now and uh, being able to have a good cooperation between the buyer and the seller is really important in the, in the process. And of course, having a data room as well, I think that's important, uh, especially when you uh, have a bigger company, having everything ready, like your P&L statements, everything that a potential acquirer might ask, um, that would definitely uh, help with the process, I believe. Yeah, I completely agree, especially on the P&L. That's usually, depending on the size of the business, I think once you get into the six, you know, seven, you know, million dollar acquisitions, a P&L is absolutely required for larger buyers to really understand the health of your business. Um, so that's, that's really, really great advice. I guess, you know, given that you built, you know, multiple startups, are there any sort of like tips you would give to, you know, startup founders just looking to build a startup? Are there any sort of, um, you know, themes that you, you know, believe in or any sort of quotes that are your favorites? Um, yeah, I think um, a good tip would be to do a lot of market research before you go into building something. Um, usually because I come from an engineering background, I might get excited from this idea that I have and the technology is really exciting and there might not be a market for it. Well, another very, very simple and stupid thing like the app I, I built might actually have a market for it. Um, and, you know, you might not enjoy it that much, but once you're getting their first customers in, um, that will be uh, that will be a good payoff. So I would definitely recommend, especially to all the engineers out there, do your market research, make sure you have a go-to-market plan and uh, 
make sure there's an actual market uh, out there, hopefully a competitor or two. Um, I would never go into building something without a competitor, uh, trying to educate the market. Um, yeah, I think that that will save you a lot of time and a lot of headache later. I, I couldn't agree more. I always say if there's no competitor in your market, that's a really bad sign. And <laughs> yeah. you're right. Educating a market is very, very expensive because um, one of my favorite business quotes is, uh, what is it? It's um, one of the hardest things to do in business is to change consumer habits. So people are so used to doing something a certain way and your business does it completely different. Um, I'm trying to think of a company that actually did this and it worked out. But anyways, if you're coming to the market with something that you're right, like they've never heard about, there's no competitors, um, it's not clear what problem it's solving, and you have to just educate, 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 you know, you're going to need a lot of time and a lot of capital. So I, I like that. And I do agree. I think competition also just breeds improvement and kind of fun too to have competition in markets yeah plus you it gives you ideas on what what to do what to avoid what to do better um so um it's definitely good to have competitors they'll push you forward uh you'll push them forward so it's gonna be good for everyone yeah i completely agree all right i got i got one last question now i'll let you run my goal so um i've been asking this random question just for fun because i think it's funny on every podcast but if you were stuck on an island and you can only bring one thing. It could be a book. It can be a tool. Um, what would that one item be? Mm -hmm. If it was an island with good waves, I would bring a surfboard for sure. Ah, I, I, think, <laughs> I think that would make me have a lot of fun in the island. And I wouldn't mind staying there. Um, have you seen the movie um, Castaway? Uh, not, is it Castaway with Tom Hanks? He, he gets stuck on an island? Yeah, with Wilson, right? <laughs> I literally thought that exact same thing because if you watch the movie again, the waves are actually really good. Yeah, They're, yeah. I'm like, this guy needs a surfboard and he, he wouldn't want to leave. Exactly. And you're set there and you wouldn't mind for it uh, at all. Um, I do yeah. surf sometimes here in the island and uh, it's um, it clears your head. It's, it's like a meditation for me. So I, I would recommend it to everyone. Yeah, I, I grew up surfing, um, so I, I can relate to that. It's it's probably the only way for me to go anywhere without my phone. Um, even though I, I, I believe the new iPhone is completely waterproof, but still. Um, all right, Michael, well, uh, pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for um, sharing all this, and, and congrats again on the acquisition. I'm rooting for you, man. Thank you, Andrew, and uh, thank you for making it possible. It wouldn't be possible without Macro Acquire, and it did give me the inspiration to just build something, sell it. Uh, it's, it's a big market for anyone listening uh, for new ideas. Um, so, um, yeah, thank you for making it happen. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, cheers, Michael. All right, bye, Andrew. Thanks for listening to this episode of the SaaS Acquisition Stories podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to like and follow on your preferred channel. And if you know a friend or colleague that would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them. For more information on MicroAcquire and how we can help you start conversations that lead to an acquisition in just 30 days, check us out at microacquire.com. We'll see you next time.